0: Welcome back to YoYo's Tired. Ty- Welcome back to YoYo's Tired. Here's part two of the conversation I had with Darius Dogme. Thank you for listening to the part two of this conversation. Gee, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so so we're gonna go on to education. And mm. education is something it's something I'm very passionate about as you know through the charity I started it's mainly it's focused on education and that's because I think education is the most important thing you can give a person because I know so many people who be, just because of education that was their ticket out of poverty people uh-huh. I know personally people who I who I don't know who I've heard their stories Education was their ticket out of poverty, and that's why I have a fundamental problem with certain conservatives. Not you, I, I don't know about you. You can speak for yourself, but certain conservatives do not consider the importance of funding education and improving education. How do you feel about that, Darius?
1: Well, I disagree on. Um, I disagree with my should we say fellow conservatives. I think obviously, on conservative is such a broad term, and it's often generalized depending on the country, culture, whatever. I've I've more or less found myself more and more of a big tent in terms of uh, in terms of ideology that my views kind of they kind of borrow from each depart each corner of, should we say, the political compass. And I do agree. I think if we were to quote our friend Tony, you know, uh, and uh Tony Blair, education, 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 I think it's true, you know, education is, is such a it's so pivotal in one's development. I think, you know, as you once bro- brought up to me, I think there's like a direct correlation between let's say ethnic groups that have like the lowest um should we say basic educational uh standards and then the crime rate and though i think education is integral and it is i think you know there's you know, even on gender as well you know obviously a woman that for example in japan you know the hdi index which includes if i'm not mistaken education is so high they're the, the they're, you know they have children so late as well and that contributes to other factors but that, that's not that's we're getting going to get sidetracked here i think <laughs> I think it's you know it's very important, but at the same time I think if we're trying to link education with let's say crime, there are I think a more tough-on approach can be needed um, if you're gonna. I think there's there's you know the saying what fool me once you know shame on shame on me fool me twice you know you you get you get it and I think there's a limit, but I hope you know I haven't got too sidetracked there.
0: Yeah, that's that's where we fundamentally disagree with education because you often follow this idea of education and a tough a tough on crime approach and as someone who's very passionate about criminal justice and improving improving the criminal justice um justice system i believe in a more um repentant or forgiving approach to criminal justice Mm. like obviously if you commit like there are certain crimes which i'm like nah, you've got to go to prison, and like you're being locked no up. No yeah. redemption. But I think there are certain g- crimes which I would define as non-violent, and that, yeah, you should be punished, but not severely. And I no, think there should I be can't... a route for um... Um, rehabilitation.
1: <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I get where you're coming from that one, and I agree. I think obviously there's certain, obviously the criminal system does need reform, but in most particular, let say the US, where you have so many, you know, uh, not just blacks, but just in general, like minorities, in general, just all group, all ethnicities. I know obviously it's more prevalent amongst, unfortunately African-Americans, but all groups that let's say are in prison for, let's say what smoking a small amount of like marijuana or whatnot. And I'm not here on your stance on drugs or whatever, but it's more on the topic of it's such a non, non-criminal. It's so minor. And you have people who are spending, let's say a quarter, you know, 25 years in there or, or worse, you know, and you think, when people go into prison, it breaks them, it changes them. They come out, if you know, worse and more resentful of the system, and they're more they're more likely not to cooperate. And I understand that. My stance on, let's say, the more tough on crime approach is more in terms of, as you were saying, let's say, more more um more unfortunate, let's say, crimes. But like offensive. knife crime. Of course, that is particular. I think horrendous. And yeah, but, and I, yeah. Sorry, go. On. I
0: yeah, and I think knife crime is something we like. Fundamentally disagree on, Um, but and in the way we approach it, I honestly think an education and rehabilitation approaches it. But while you believe in more, you can say what you believe in.
1: I believe, I believe the, I believe obviously the root of the. I think a lot of people who are, I think obviously the people that are easily radicalized by, you know, gangs and all that are the ones that you know they feel left out from society that doesn't necessarily mean they will go into gangs as well, but they are more likely to be influenced and go against the system because what, what prospects do they have? You know, they don't have an education. They can't get decent jobs. They can't progress in society. They feel the system has let them down, which is unfortunate. You know, it shouldn't be like that. And as a result, you're going to have, you know, um, due to the, you know, say a poor access to education or poor standard, they're not getting the basic, should we say, building blocks to get out of, let's say rough areas. And, I think to let's say stop the to put it this way to stop the root of the problem you need education otherwise the cycles keep repeating it's unfortunate it's terrible you know all these people that have such a potential to you know really contribute to society but then obviously where you and I disagree on is I think where how you tackle the problem now with the current in, you know individuals that are roaming around our streets and I think yeah I do think a tough on crime approach is the way to crack down on those individuals whether it's a hefty sentence behind bars or they're sent for rehabilitation, that I think remains to be seen. I'm on, I'm unsure myself, but I think to have more police on the streets, that are, let's say, uh, you know, stop and frisking and so on, um, to really lim- eliminate the risk we have on the streets. Cause I think I am under the firm philosophy of better safe than sorry. I mean, we can, I know though maybe may a more extreme example, but the amount, let's say in France, they had all these terrorist suspects, right? And I know it's not knife crime, but just to give an example of why I'm in that camp, of I think we need to be more, you know, safe than sorry in terms of stopping individuals, is I think I believe that half of those terrorist attacks could have been prevented, but they didn't intervene on those suspected individuals because they didn't, they were too afraid of the backlash if they were wrong, and if this individual was just suspicious looking. And I think that on its own is another issue.
0: I have to say, the reason... I fundamentally disagree is that I know so many innocent people who are stopped and searched simply because they look a particular way Mm. and you don't know how that feels to be treated like a criminal and like I know people who are law-abiding citizens who live their lives who are who are well educated who take care of themselves and then they get stopped and searched simply because they look a certain way or they dress a certain way in their downtime and I don't think that's fair and I think that's more of my standpoint and it also stop and search and other policies like that have been proven n- not to work and to alienate the communities which they are trying to serve and that's why I fundamentally don't agree with it
1: I know in New York under mayor Giuliani and also mayor Bloomberg who as uh, we you know Bloomberg the billionaire the one that ran who, his failed attempt at president, as we've seen. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was some very cringy, God, it was terrible, his campaign. But um, they had stop and frisk. And as we you know, New York City is, to this day, it still has crime. But crime, um, at least there, plummeted. And obviously, yes, I'm sure there were some unfortunate cases of individuals being stopped because they'd maybe looked a certain way. But I think it goes out saying the data is there that crime, or should we say, this is but okay which we say certain offenses are more prevalent under these certain groups but we know why that's the case due to a lack of education and you know um, opportunity for them that's why my stance is you can fix the current problem let's say with the more heavy hands-on um, more strong, you know iron fist approach but then the way you you know you solve you know the issue is you do let's say you know give these people more opportunity and more education so they don't, they don't feel that they have to be reduced to that level. And have to make these terrible crimes.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah we can agree to disagree <laughs> on that uh-huh. one. But I think also, I wanted to ask you a question because recently I've been having conversations with some people who believe mm. that private education should be abolished for obviously reasons. We both can't really be like, yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're
1: very uh, hypocritical <laughs>
0: <laughs> So. How do you feel about private educations and how do you feel about the the backlash to it? I'll explain to you what the argument, the argument mm. against it, which is that private education just encourages elitism because the main benefit of private education is the connections you make.
1: Of course.
0: And the, it means that certain people continue to maintain these um, connections while certain people because of their financial status will never be able to have these connections
1: mm. i think in an ideal world where i would say yes if but it, it 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 genuinely also comes down to how much do you want the state to have involved how much of how much of the state do you want let's say in uh being involved let's say you know the should you say the most integral years of let's say one's life you know your education is a pivotal moment your childhood and so on and what i've noticed is least with a lot of because i was i went to a private school i've been to private schools my entire life you know i i'm sure you have to you know you and i can't really go around saying as you're saying private school sucks exactly yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but what, what i've noticed each private school has its own take on education you know you know obviously every school has its own teaching style but I went to a, you know, I went to a very Catholic school and the way I learned things are different. I had to do mass, for example. I had to attend that every week. And I, you know, I, I'll i be, you know, I think it goes without saying, I don't come from, let's say, a traditional Christian background, but it likely. So <laughs> oh, it really? Very, oh, who? I know. Who would have thought? <laughs> and I often found it rather, it was such a, to move from, let's say, a really Catholic school to a very, I should we say, more secular, uh, I, I could I think we can classify yeah we can classify some of these tools as more secular it was very different because everyone was going in with I was drilled in with the ideals of let's say what the Bible doesn't mean I followed it to, in my private life but at least in my mind it's how I saw things and if you would then have every state every school um, every school let's say under the you know the government's viewpoint or how it, it's going to be run you have to then pick put the issue of what are the, what's the curriculum? Because for example, there's all these calls about reforming how history is taught about British you know, society with, you know, imperialism and all that. And I know that's a, that's a rabbit hole we need to avoid for another episode, but, um, but you, you also have the issue of, you know, the government and the party elected will essentially have the power to indoctrinate and decide how things are taught. It's, it really, I think if you could somehow, somehow make the standard of teaching universal across the board, you know, but there no. is
0: a universal standard. We all have to take GCSCs. Like unlike America where they can basically teach you creationism, which yeah, yes. which I which I fundamentally don't think should be taught in schools, that's a whole thing of I was actually gonna get onto that after you finished. I was gonna talk about how I don't while I am religious, while I do believe in God and while I do pray, I and I do classify myself as a Christian, I don't believe that religious religion and education should be put together. I honestly believe there should be a secular approach to education. So they give you all the information and you're like, let me form my own view. So, and I think the reason it also has to do, I'm going to also go to the whole thing about reforming the educational system and how I feel about that is that I think the problem with education now is that only a specific, especially when you're younger, only a specific amount is taught to you. And it's a, it's not really a range of history. Um, for example, the people who want to expand education are saying, let's talk more about Black history. And I don't know about you, but when I was younger, the only time I ever heard about Black history was slavery.
1: That's interesting, yeah. and But I um, think... <laughs>
0: And that's I think it's. I think we should diver- We should teach children as much as possible and diversify them as much as possible, as young as possible. Because I remember, I I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I used to watch Horrible Histories. I think that's why I love history now.
1: I love. Yeah, same here. It's such a good show. Yeah. I
0: loved Horrible Histories. I even read the books as well, and I used to read oh a lot of historical I'm fiction. A <laughs> from all over the world, and that's and that's how I got to know history so well, and I ho- how I got to learn so many stories from history. And I think what these people are trying to do is they're trying to get more people to learn about more ideas. And I and I think that's what education should be about: giving you lots of ideas and telling you, pick this, pick that, pick this, pick that. Mm,
1: but the, that's the thing, you know. There's almost there's almost, there's almost, there's almost, there's, almost, there's always only so much time in let's say an academic week let alone a term right a year as well and you know i i always find this interesting for example my dad's from a different generation of course all our dads are but i the education he learned was different in terms of say history than what let's say you and i are learning for example you're right i learned when i learned about history obviously at an early age it was predominantly what you know the romans the celts maybe i transitioned a bit to the normans, um, <laughs> to normans yes all a dull topic you know, or Henry VIII and his six wives. You know, great horrible history song there. I
0: remember there. the song. The horse beheaded and
1: died. <laughs> the guy, worst worst
0: survive. and survived.
1: And Henry VIII and <laughs> six story wives. Some may say he ruined his life. But yeah, there you go, classic that. Oh God. I know, I know. But um, and then we moved on to eventually to what like World War Two and all that. But then what really stuck with me, and this is what I found, honestly, quite shocking. So. I don't know about you, but I learned about the slave trade at quite a quite young age. I learned about the Atlantic Triangle and how it all originated—some really dark stuff—and you know the conditions of how you know many Africans were put in when they were transported to South America, North America, etc. But then a friend of mine, she was telling me how they never learned about the slave trade ever, ever, you know. And I think Jesus. that is honestly so shocking. See, that's the thing—the curriculum is not at least. I know it's up to schools to choose certain topics, but they never had access to that. And now, obviously, their awareness is being raised with the, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement bringing these things up to, you know, bring these up um, on people's consciousness. I mean, but then, but then, obviously, you and I, for example, I know you learned, to, you saying saying that, you know, you only learned about Black history through slavery and all that, and that's true. I think, for example, at uh, doing GCSE coursework once, I had to learn about the civil rights movement in America about Martin Luther King. Same. And
0: Oh, and, same, I did it in my coursework. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: right, good times. And that's how I learned, that. and that's, that's the thing there, the civil rights movement.
0: We chose it, to do those subjects at GCSE, though. That was a choice. Exactly. And that's, that's the, higher education. That's I'm true. saying when we're younger, we don't get, we just learn. Okay, while I think it is important to know British history, and mm. yeah, keep the world history
1: too, But, but
0: all history is important.
1: But, that, but have you noticed, like, I, I don't want to generalize. I really don't. It's a habit of mine, but I think it has to be said here. You ask someone in, let's say, mainland Europe about history of, let's say, the world or something like that, they can give you an answer. What I've noticed, at least in England, or at least London, to some extent, and a lot of America's, they don't know the history of, let's say, other countries, or at least in other generations. I mean, other countries, it seems that they learn about not only the history of, let's say, their own country, but they learn about developments around the world, and they always seem much more well-versed than we are.
0: Yeah, but but I also think me and you are unique cuz like we know about European history. Like if you ask the average person when did when did Germany unify? They won't know, but we do. If you ask the average person when did um um when was the French Revolution? They'll oh, they might know that to be fair. But
1: No, but I get what you're coming from, but that's because you and I are passionate about history and have pursued it in further education. The average person potentially doesn't. You know, they may they may they may not. And I think I, that's the idea what, what do you want the education system to be? I feel, I think personally, the education system currently only rewards individuals that are gifted academically, let's say, let's say on writing a piece of paper, like writing an essay in a specific amount of time. And I think what ends up that's happening- That's a problem. It is. And I think you have, you know, I think not, obviously, obviously there are people that are gifted enough and they can do it, it's, but it's a matter of that maybe could, they could be lazy. And I think that's, that's their own choice. Fine. Okay. But I don't necessarily think they need to be left behind in society, let alone people who naturally maybe that way they're
0: is healthcare. So I oh. on, my thing with healthcare is I think America is the perfect example of what not to do. <laughs> oh,
1: 100%. I, mean, <laughs> right. I think
0: we can both agree America's just not what to do when it comes to healthcare.
1: Yeah, they they're a bit they're a bit lost on that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> so but how do you feel about the NHS and do you think the NHS is adequately funded and adequately managed?
1: I think a lot of the time it's been funded well. However, it's the administration for it is so abysmal. They're misallocating funds. I mean, there was a case where they built a one million pound helicopter pad, but that helicopter pad is used once a month and it's barely used. Oh, That's I'm money that should be spent me. elsewhere. I think, although it should be, I think like uh, health, obviously, wants right to live and all that is a natural right. In terms of healthcare and all that, I completely agree. And I think, as, as we've noticed, that due to the NHS's, though at times has been has received record funding. The problem is, it just the money was po- allocated so poorly and mismanaged by a you know a poor health team that it hasn't it hasn't we haven't seen the results of that. And obviously, obviously austerity has played a played a role in damaging it initially. I understand that, but in recent years it has received record record investment. And as we've noticed in countries like Germany and Scandinavia, who, though obviously I know Germany did implement a lockdown, but but it was much more relaxed in comparison to, let's say, what the UK faced or other nations. If you look at Sweden, because their healthcare was funded so adequately and had facilities, they could practice herd immunity. Like, they never had a lockdown, and as a result, they haven't received the economic hardships that the rest of the world is facing because their healthcare could hold, could house people that needed it. And that's what I think, if with a strong healthcare department, you would, so not department, a strong, should we say, national health, you would, as a result, have a strong society, a healthy society that can then fulfill their potentials in other categories. But I, I think, think yeah.
0: yeah. I think a problem that some people on the left, I'm not, while well, I'm centre-left. I will uh-huh. define myself as centre-left.
1: Um, a lot of
0: problems that the far left have is that they believe that the far right want to abolish the nhs they want they want to underfund the nhs so much that we basically end up being america
1: 2.0 mm, i think that's also interesting but that's like i remember when the 2015 de- uh, uh debates when for the general election in the uk i think nigel farage he put something that i, I kind of agreed with with that the idea was and I, I know a lot of other people did that weren't that they didn't agree with him anything else but that one principle of The NHS is the National Health Service not the International Health Service and that the idea it should be prioritized for citizens. But but Darius,
0: as someone who is not a citizen we have to pay for the NHS so if you are like international you have to pay for the NHS. Yes. So do you not think people who pay for the NHS should be allowed to use the
1: NHS? I think we we should reform the system to the point where okay for citizens, we should broaden what the NHS offers. I think the NHS should be able to offer things it used to when it first launched. I remember, dentist uh, for example, uh, dentistry and all that was free for everyone. Less, an, uh,
0: less people without teeth, it's creepy. Oh, I,
1: mean, <laughs> I think the British, obviously, um, so the NHS should offer more and offer a wider range of uh, you know, treatments and all that and at a higher standard, but then perhaps for non-citizens they should only have access to the basic things like checkups etc and leave the rest for citizens where they're paying you know i think that's maybe the idea of these are the perks of being a citizen of this country you will have better access to you know, you get the right to vote obviously and so on but then as an extension you would have um, access to the perks of what the nhs can offer i think we should treat it almost like a service um at a higher standard like I think you can't i think eliminating private healthcare probably wouldn't be a thing but with germ i think the german model is quite effective and maybe it's something we should attempt to replicate
0: i think the canadian model would be quite interesting in the uk the only problem is canada does have half the population of the uk and it's like triple it's like i don't know the you're it's the not, geographer
1: <laughs> no it is, it is it is and like a lot of canada's population is quite sparsely populated so you don't have people all like for example the population so for example how as we know around greater london it's a huge cluster of people there's such there's so many people per square mile but in canada it's it's much it's much more sparsely populated so there'll be less people per square mile so certain hospitals in each region wouldn't be over you know over you know um overwhelmed and so on um i think that and that's an important thing i don't when people make comparisons to other countries but you have to remember their population i mean yeah. look at sweden the population of london is essentially the pop is. Just shy, if I'm not mistaken, of the entire population of Sweden. And that's a good country. I think that's
0: one of the reasons. And I think the same goes for healthcare and a lot of ideas that a lot of people sprout about introducing certain healthcare plans into other countries. Like in America, a lot of people have been saying America should adopt the Canadian model. And people are like, Canada's like, tempest has 10 percent of the population of america it can't handle it
1: exactly and but the
0: irony that- is i actually think the canadian model would be the best way to reform the american healthcare model
1: maybe but the americans i think are they're a wrong way from really getting anywhere in that but that's why i point my finger to the german model because germany has a population bigger than the uk's and and it's you know and i know obviously germany has a bigger economy but it's not it's not as if we, are, we have the economy of like Haiti and we're comparing ourselves to Germany. No, the, the UK is up there. And I feel we could, the German model is something we could try and replicate. I just think the NHS, personally, it just needs better administration. Um, I think it
0: needs more funding, but that's just okay. I feel like
1: you could pour money at any problem and it doesn't, like, if you look I at think
0: other it needs I think it needs both. I'm not going to lie. Throwing money at a problem and not, like, targeting it properly. Oh, of it's course. Not great. I think, but there are sectors of the NHS I think should significantly be improved. Like, I think the mental health service needs to be revamped completely.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. I think mental health on its own is a
0: yeah. I, th- I think mental health is a new thing because for a long, I think people don't realize how new mental mental health is. Like, we didn't we didn't believe mental health was a was a thing until like six year until like.
1: Yes, was, was, a... it, yeah but and uh, but even then it wasn't taken seriously I mean I know yeah all they all thought
0: it was an evil spirit
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly I mean, the old <laughs> generations don't understand you know take someone who suffered from it and has been through the process I mean it takes a lot out of you but then eventually you do you do have a realization of it is a real problem and you for example, when I was growing up, you'd always be something you'd be like oh man up about whatever and that kind of relates back to your uh, you know what we were talking about earlier on about you know men are less likely to come out with let's say mental health issues or whatnot, or to seek help and often leads to suicide and all these you know drastic decisions.